Hello and welcome to She's All Batch. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jackie. And for the last episode of the year, we are kicking off another specialty episode. And this one is all about money. So whether it's how much money a Bachelor star can make on the show or off the show and everything in between, we're going to be covering it and discussing and dissecting and sharing our thoughts about it. Let's do it. So one of the most commonly asked questions about the show is, do you get paid to just be a contestant? And you don't, you have to go on, on your own, no money. Yes. And something to note. So that's just for a bachelor and bachelorette. But then obviously if you're asked to go on paradise, you do make money. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Something that's always very crazy to me though, is like people need to quit their jobs because you're not getting paid for it. I, I always am very curious and I'm sure it's different for every contestant and everyone's like in different phases of their life, but like how are people funding this? Like they're either quitting their jobs or taking leaves from jobs, which like you can't do that from every job. And they're showing up with so much fucking clothes. You need like 16 gowns. That's so much money up front for, you might be a night one go homer and not even be guaranteed anything, you know? That would really stress me out because I wouldn't yeah. know what to pack. You don't want to assume that you're going to be the final one packing 16 gowns, but like- But you can't not pack 16 right. gowns, right? Yeah. My biggest fear of going on the show is being a night one go home and I'm like, how depressing is it? You bought 16 gowns. Hopefully they're returnable. And you planned so many outfits. You planned like athletic outfits. You planned snow outfits. You planned beach outfits. You planned outfits for literally every single climate and every single part of the world. And you bought all of those outfits too. It's insane. Well, a lot of the smarter girls now are reaching out mm -hmm. to brands before they go on the show and they're like, Hey, I'm going on the bachelor. Do you want to send me clothes? So then a lot of girls are getting free items that obviously is a newer thing to do because back in the day, like I remember, I think it was Olivia Caridi said she spent like eight grand on dresses yeah, before sure. coming on the show Easily. because you want to like, you want to stand out. You're going on national television. So how do you not spend that kind of money? So anyway, yeah, you, ha you have to secure coverage for your jobs. I've heard of people even like talking to the producers about potentially covering bills because they're like, I'm literally going to be away for three months. I don't have yeah. someone that could just take over my bills. I need some kind of help here. So it is a little bit of a risk to be a contestant, have no income, but the goal, like, I think the goal is, or the hope is that after the show, it's all going to kind of come together and be worth it. As for leads, they obviously get a hell of a lot more. I think this has been discussed about a bunch of different leads. I think the average is about a hundred thousand dollars. Colton said he was paid a hundred thousand for his season. Jason and Dean were in conversations about being the bachelor and they were discussing numbers like a hundred thousand, 75,000. Is it just me or is that like not enough at all in, in this world, in this economy? I mean, when you think about it, I mean, it's two and a half months. It's not that much, but it's two and a half months to travel the world, hook up with all these people. And I guess the point is they're going to go into a lot more money following the show. Yeah. Just like the contestants. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that like, so Jason and Blake were offered, they had to sign contracts, but they obviously weren't chosen. They were offered a hundred grand. Colton was offered a hundred grand, but Dean was only offered 75 K. I really feel like they, they kind of see who they can get for what kind of money and use that to yeah. their advantage. Because I also thought it was interesting. I mean, Emily Maynard has been rumored to be the highest paid bachelorette mm -hmm. of all time. And I am confident that is because one, she didn't want to do it. She won Brad Womack's season. They broke up and then she was the fan favorite. She was a single mom. She didn't want to leave her daughter. So they kind of bent over backwards. And if you remember, they actually filmed her season. Yeah. Near where she lived, right? It was somewhere in North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. It wasn't like her home or anything, but it was 
on location where she was able to go home after dates and be with her daughter. So they literally turned the world upside down for her. She was rumored to get $250,000, which I think is a little more appropriate for what you're saying. But how would that work with like a Claire and Tasha situation? Like, did they both get offered 100K? My guess would be that. I think Tasha, yes. But Claire, she like didn't complete the job. You know what I mean? Like if she was hired for $100,000 to be the lead of this show and one episode into the show, she's like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's like, okay, well then- we're not paying you. Like you didn't, but you know what's funny part of the leads job is to one, obviously film the whole show, but also to do the whole media press, the the press tour. Claire did that. She went on all the shows. She was kind of promoting the show. And when people started asking her about Tasha, she had, I remember she had her line, like, no, it's my season. I, I find love. I don't know what you're talking about. And she had to go and do that. Tasha didn't have to do that. Tasha then at the end was the one that did the press tour with, I guess, I don't even know if she did a press tour with Zach at the end because it was like pandemic time. So like on one hand, Clara didn't fulfill her whole role, but neither did Taysha. So I can only imagine Taysha probably could have negotiated the same as Claire because she's like, look, like I'm getting half of the deal here. I'm saving your fucking ass. I actually can see Taysha probably even negotiating more because she flew out there, quarantined for two weeks, saved the season. I'm sure they were willing to do whatever they could. I feel like the guys were genuinely interested in Tasha, And I don't think that's always the case with the bachelorette. Like they needed someone wonderful to come in and beloved yeah. and like save that. Like not everyone could step into that role halfway and have it end up being a successful season the way Tasha did. She was like the perfect person for that moment. And especially it's like, all right, how much do these like travels cost? Like how much do these group dates cost? Like you're easily dropping that on one group date. I completely disagree. I feel like sometimes the group dates, they're like fucking bobbing for apples. I'm like what? That's true. <laughs> it's like, I literally feel like they like take out a Mad Libs book and just figure out what they're going to do for a group date. Sometimes they're so bad. But once they start traveling, I feel like that starts to get expensive. Obviously. Yeah. Speaking of the like group dates and stuff, I think an expense they do pay for on the show is when they have like guest stars come on guest stars being bachelor alum, not like, like musicians or anything. Yeah. But like when I, Ashley, I and Jared show up for a random group date, we have information straight from Chad who shared that the going right for that is like $5,000, which It's kind of crazy when all they have to do really is show up, say a couple of lines and they go home. Yeah. It's probably like two days of their life. And you know, it's like obviously flights paid for hotels paid for everything else to get them to wherever they need to be and back is already covered. So yeah, it's like literally for two days, maybe that's yeah, that is crazy. I would assume 5k is the minimum though. Like you get at least 5k because we also heard that Kendall was paid 5k to come back on the beach to interrupt Joe's proposal with Serena. And she was already on that season. Yeah. I thought we talked about that. Did we not? No, this is the first time I'm hearing this. This is my genuine reaction. Well, so is that 5,000 in addition to the amount of money that she's going to then be paid to be on paradise? Or was this like, whether you stay or don't stay just interrupting this moment, $5,000 girl, here you go. (laughs) My gut a hundred percent tells me she was paid her Rate was already negotiated. She was just Mm -hmm. a cast member. She left the show that she was gone. A producer calls her and says, hey, we want you to come back and and say something to Joe. Would you come back? And she probably put up some kind of fight. And then they're like, look, we'll pay you this. And it adds up because that's exactly what Chad said, like the going rate. So Chad was invited to go on Ben and Lauren's spinoff show back in the day. Mm -hmm. And he was paid $5,000 and it was just one day. 
of filming yeah. and Lace and Grant were also on that episode too. So it's to be assumed that they get paid that. I mean, pretty easy cash for one day. Of oh filming. yeah, I would do that. And I would even face like the public embarrassment that Kendall faced by interrupting an engagement. I'd interrupt any engagement for $5,000. All of my past relationships, $5,000, I'm there. She was ripped apart for that though. I know, I'm like, is that worth $5,000? I don't yeah, know. I mean, because it's completely different. Nick Vial showing up for a date to introduce the stupid date, sure, $5,000. But like yeah. going to your ex before he's about to propose to someone else, like, ugh, maybe not. Well, I hope for her sake then that she negotiated way more. If we're saying yeah. that that's the minimum, can Kendall, I hope you got five times that. Because what is 5K really? I mean, you can go on. Well, they could get free vacations anyway. But like I was going to say, that's like a really nice vacation. Yeah. You know, like it's not that crazy, but no. it's not life-changing amounts of money. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, moving over to paradise. So our research shows that the standard rate seems to be $400 a day. But the more we talk to people, I'm realizing that this is completely customizable to the person. Like if yeah. you get $400 a day, you're a sucker because there are so many people that have seemed to like, you know, make a deal yeah. with the producers and get a lot more. So let's go over what we do know. We recently had Amber James on the podcast. She was on Ben and Chris Souls' season. And when she was approached for paradise. She got $5,000, like a flat rate, 5k. And basically she told them like, I've been on your shows for the past year. I don't have a job. You need to help me cover my rent and like, give me something substantial. And they were willing to do it. So 400 a day times like 30 for a random month, that's $12,000. So if Amber's getting 5,000, was she lowballed? I don't think it's 30 days though. I'm pretty sure it's three weeks. So that wouldn't be 30. That would be 21. You know what I think it was though? you don't know you're going to last the whole time. That's if she stays and gets engaged, she's there for three weeks. So maybe right. she's saying like, look, if I go and then get sent home, I still don't have a job. So I think right. it was more the security. And she said that was her flat rate. She also said stuff about rent. So she could have gotten more than 5,000, but like 5,000 right. was the flat rate that she got. And I think it's the security of knowing. Right. If you literally get on the beach, everyone's in a relationship and you immediately go home. Yeah. Then she still gets 5,000. That makes sense. Speaking of a guaranteed rate, Nick also had some kind of deal with producers where he got a guaranteed rate as well. At that point, the funds were getting low. Yeah. If I didn't say yes to Paradise, I was going to go, go back to work. Wow. Did you negotiate a guaranteed rate? Yeah. 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 So I knew that it would keep you there for a little bit. Smart. Yeah, or, or it wasn't my problem, and yeah. I wasn't afraid of going home. If you, <laughs> you want to send me home, send day, me home one, day one, I don't I'm care. Still getting the I, in fact, Given like what I wanted to do yeah. at the time, like um, best case scenario, show up for a day, get my paycheck and you send me home night one, great. To get me to do Paradise, I had some meetings with some Dancing with the Stars people. I don't know how sincere that was or if it was just me to get me to do Paradise. Genius. Not only did you negotiate a guaranteed amount, you got Dancing with the Stars in the package too. It's crazy to me that he also negotiated something that was not like paradise related into the package to it's, use Jason's words. Kind of brilliant. I do think Nick is yeah. like a smart business person at the end of the day. Hence why he's like still here and we're still talking about him. You know, it's funny. So he got that meeting with Dancing with the Stars, but then they, mm -hmm. he didn't get Dancing with, with the Stars then. They made him The Bachelor. Then he got on yeah. Dancing with the Stars. Like, I wonder if producers really see the whole vision. Such a good point. Yeah. So Nick was a two-time villain. He went on the beach and they did not even try to make him villainous at all. He was yeah. like the lovable guy that all the girls loved. He was giving advice to everyone. He did not get any bad edit whatsoever. It was like they were setting him up 
to be the character he ended up being. It's kind of crazy to like think of it that way. Like this was all planned. Do you think at that point they did that because they didn't have any other bachelor contenders, which we know is not true because wasn't it supposed to be Luke Pell up until like one day before Luke Pell was in his hotel room. He was ready to go. He was ready to be the bachelor like the next day. And then they called him and said, Hey, we're going in a different direction. Right. So that's just crazy to me that like, if they were playing this long game with Nick, they also keep people on the back burner. Yeah. Okay. Fair. They do need options. That's fair. They keep people on the back burner. I know this first, not firsthand, but like Ari (laughs) Lyondike Jr. has said this a ton that every single season they would always call him. He'd always go in and they'd always interview him. And then he's like, I wasn't asked. He would talk to them. They'd feel him out. They'd be like, okay. They always just were always keeping him there. And then they interesting. So I could see that like with Nick, you know, keeping him warm in the oven until they really wanted to pop him in. And also too, if they really wanted to do him a favor, knowing that he was interested in doing something like dancing with the stars, but having the foresight to be like dancing with the stars doesn't want him right now. He's just a random villain slash bachelor in paradise character. Let's make him the bachelor. Then dancing with the stars will actually want him. They're like fulfilling their promise to him in like a weird backwards way. It kind of feels like that could have been grocery store Joe had he not ended up dating Kendall though, because I thought you were going to say something different, but continue. Wait, Serena. Yeah. I think people thought they brought Joe back onto paradise to set him up in a story to make him the bachelor. And they didn't expect that he would actually feel as strongly for Serena as he did. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that have been actually a great season and a great story? Like he breaks up with Kendall. He's heartbroken. He's on the beach. He can't find anyone. Wah, wah, wah. And then he's the bachelor. I know, but I don't think my jealousy could handle it. Like truly, I I would watch it. Obviously I would like drool over him, but like, I physically don't think I could handle that kind of jealousy for real. Because you love grocery store Joe that much. Yes, yes. But what I was saying is that had he not ended up with Kendall that first season, they could have made him the bachelor. He was popular enough for them to pull him on Dancing with the Stars. So you're saying like, Dancing with, with the Stars wouldn't pull a random Bachelor in Paradise. Right, that's they did. true. Joe was even, well, because Joe was like a phenomenon, more so than Nick was at that time when yeah. Nick was on Paradise. So what I'm saying though is had he not ended up with Kendall, they could have easily just plucked him to be The Bachelor instead, then done Dancing with the Stars, just like yeah, Nick. Yeah, 100%. He could have got the Nick special, but Kendall got in the way. I think grocery store Joe still has a chance to be The Bachelor at some point. I think him and Serena (laughs) should break up and then he would 100% get it. Chad Johnson, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, he negotiated what, according to Chad, was a record at the time, $1,800 a day. But unfortunately, we all know what happened to Chad. He only lasted one day. So (laughs) obviously it was not actually a record. But I'm curious if Chad was correct in that actually was a record at the time or if people were able to make more. We've been asking every person that we've talked to about it, and I haven't heard more than $1,800 a day. Yeah, I guess that's true. We can continue our hunt to see if Chad is the record right now. But as far as I know, that's the highest I've heard. Yeah. Like I could see someone like grocery store Joe this time around though. Making, oh, easily. I think now the rates are just, I think it's a different show now. It's a different ball game. I think anyone who's going on the beach now is making way more. Like a Becca Kufrin, a Demi. Okay, maybe not a Mari, but a Becca Kufrin, a Demi. A grocery store Joe, they're making, I think, significantly more than anything close to that. Right. Well, we can't really even put Becca Kufrin in the same category. There's no way she was going on the beach for anything less than a substantial package that was 
worthy of her appearance. Demi mm-hmm. too, I'm sure can negotiate a lot. Joe can negotiate a lot, but here's the thing. You come off of like Matt James's season or one of the recent seasons and a producer's like, Hey, so um, the standard rate is $400 a day. All your food's paid for all your travels paid for. So do you want to sign up? You're like, okay, if you don't know any better, $400 a day to sit on a beach, it's not True. that bad, you know? And like, they know that like with, I'm sure they can even tell you in your audition, like, look, this show is seen by X amount of people. Your following is going to grow by X amount. There's so much that goes into it that I could see a lot of people who don't know to negotiate. They don't have the leverage to negotiate. If you're just coming off of math season as a rando, it's like, you're so replaceable. They can just get the other night one, go home from math season. Like they don't need you in the same way they need grocery store Joe or Becca or Debbie. Uh, that's yeah. A hundred percent. If you're like a floater, someone that they really don't necessarily know what's going to happen on paradise, but like a Josh yeah. Murray who they wanted him to come and feud with Nick. Like you kind of have to see what your value is. Mm-hmm. Like, do they really want you for a storyline? Because if so, they're probably going to be willing totally. to pay you more. Speaking of asking for more. So when Dean went on paradise for the first time, and that's the season where he was in that love triangle with Christina and Danielle, He knew about the $400 a day rate, but apparently like his friends convinced him that he's worth more because it was right after Rachel season. So he asked for $800 a day, but then producers counter offered with 600. I think he was happy that he was just like getting paid more than the standard. Yeah. Which makes sense. But he also admitted that when he came back for the following season, he asked for $20,000 a day, which was a bit ambitious. And they uh, settled on 602. So well, at least he's getting paid more than the time before. Yeah, the two extra dollars. 20,000 though, is he just like trolling them at that point? Who does he think he is with that kind of ass? Well, I think he's trying to make a statement that they like, I mean, his fuckboy ways ruined his own reputation, but ABC definitely like exploited him oh, and like used sure. him as yeah. a pawn. So he was probably like, look, you fucked with my life the first time around. You're going to have to pay for it. But he said, so his quote is um, out of principle. I wanted them to pay me more than they were offering everyone else just because I thought I was hot shit or something. <laughs> so he got $2 more. Good for him. Whatever helps you sleep at 19. Okay, so our Christmas plans actually got a little bit messed up this year. A couple of people in my family tested positive for COVID. So we just decided it was better to lay low and, um, you know, not gather all together. But I still wanted to let everyone know that I was thinking about them and make my presence known at everyone else's household. So I sent them a bouquet of pomp flowers, which we've talked about for a few weeks now, but me and Stephanie love pom flowers. I think they're like, we're obsessed. We think they're such good quality for the price and they're fresh from the farm. So they blossom like even a few days after you receive them, which is really exciting. I'm personally impressed with pom flowers because I feel like when you think about sending roses to someone, you think it needs to be like $200 and $200 mm-hmm. gets you like a dozen roses, but with pom flowers, like literally their smallest size is two dozen. So I also had kind of a crummy holiday due to, you know, the spread of COVID, but I had some good news. One of my best friends got engaged and a bunch of my other friends in our group wanted to make sure that we sent her something because obviously we couldn't be there to celebrate with her. And we ended up sending her two dozen long stem pink roses to her apartment. Considering that I already know how great the quality is from Pomp, I felt confident 
I told my friends like, Hey guys, I, I got it. Just Venmo me. We'll all split the price. But it ended up being like $20 from each of us. And we sent her this massive bouquet of flowers for her engagement. And that's actually such a good point because I feel like when you're ordering and sending someone flowers, it can be so hit or miss depending on the Mm -hmm. place. You know, you don't know the quality of the flowers. You don't get to see them firsthand. Like you're not picking them out. Someone else is, and they're sending them. But because we know the quality of pomp flowers, they've so consistently like delivered. I think that's um, really important. And it's a brand you can count on. And they're fresh from the farm to your house. So they're not Mm -hmm. sitting in a factory for a few days. I've literally gotten flowers before where I've opened the box and they're half dead. Like this is fresh from the farm to your doorstep. You are getting the freshest, best smelling flowers ever. So do not sleep on this opportunity to get some flowers from Pomp Flowers for New Year's, holidays, Valentine's Valentine's Day, whatever whatever (laughs) you guys have coming up definitely check out pompflowers.com. That's P-O-M-P flowers.com. And you can use code BATCH10, B-A-C-H-10 for 10% off your order. Outside of the franchise, they can obviously make money on other shows. Uh, We touched on Dancing with the Stars with Nick. Starting salary for stars to come on the show is $125,000, which is like mind-boggling to me. We had Courtney on the podcast. She said she was offered $150,000 just to basically sign on to be on the original cast. Pay you a lump sum. And then each week you last, you make like another like 30,000 bucks or something. Can you disclose what like the lump sum, like the range that we're talking about? I feel like. Yeah, it was like (laughs) 150,000. Holy shit. So then the longer you stay on the show, you get additional money, which is just like, no wonder Nick wants to go on Dancing with the Stars because it is the biggest money grab. Yeah. And I heard when you're saying additional money, it's like five figures, additional money. It's not just like a measly 5,000, like they would get for the appearances and stuff. You know, it's like $25,000 extra for a week. Oh yeah. And then if you win, so there's like incentive to win one, because you're working hard and you want to win, but Mm -hmm. apparently you can literally make like over 300 grand just for winning like the end. So that's like a lump sum as like a prize. Yes. Yeah. So it's like your sign on, then your weekly pay of like 30 grand or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And then like over $300,000 if you win. Caitlin Bristow and Hannah Brown both won. So are they the only two bachelor people that have won? I think they are. That I know of. Yeah. In the recent like six, seven years or whatever. Not to mention too, like once you get on Dancing with the Stars, it introduces you to an entire new audience of people, new followers. So it just like increases your ability to earn money other ways going forward. It's just like insane how all of these like levels I'm thinking of them as like build on each other. And it's like, once you get to paradise, you have more earning potential. Once you get to a league of more earning potential with everything outside of the things you do, like you can charge more for a post. Then you, if you're someone who gets on Dancing with the Stars and like my freaking grandma who loves Dancing with the Stars knows who you are now, like the scope of your influence and then meaning how much you can get paid for posts and appearances and anything else you do just increases like with that, you know? Totally. And there's also things like the Dancing with the Stars tour, which Hannah did and Caitlin's doing right now, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. No, Caitlin just either doing the tour right now, or she's just recently did it, but I know Hannah did Mm -hmm. it because I saw it. So, and they get paid a ton to go on the road and do all these appearances. So there's a lot of earning potential just being on the show. So Courtney didn't end up signing on, but she revealed to us, you could literally go home night one. So she was offered $150,000 just to be on the original night. And Mm -hmm. had she gotten eliminated that night, she would just go home with 150,000. How do they have that kind of money on ABC? 
yet they don't pay the contestants on the show on The Bachelor. Because I, I don't think it's like a lack of money thing. I think it's just uh, they can get away with that. You know, like ABC has the money. They can pay everyone $100,000. They just are actively choosing not to because they know they can find any person off the street to be a contestant. Someone will pay them to go be a contestant on The Bachelor. So if you are lucky enough to find love on the show, you may find someone that you want to marry and you can also cash in with a televised wedding. Trista was the first to get married on TV. Yes. And she got paid the most out of any of the other weddings based on our research. She got paid a million dollars just for the rights to air the wedding. In addition to ABC also paying the cost of the entire wedding, which I'm sure they went absolutely off on because like, why wouldn't you? It was just such a big deal at the time because it had never been done before. Like for someone to meet someone on TV and get married to them and then show the wedding on TV, like Mm -hmm. that was crazy at that time. You know, we weren't used to it like we are now. But I wonder if the ratings weren't as good as ABC had hoped because the money went down for every other wedding after that. We're finding that couples like Jaden Tanner, Sean and Catherine, Ashley and JP got in the six figures, like $100,000 or we don't know just six figures. We don't know, but I think more, I would say at least 300,000. Okay. Go from a million to a hundred thousand just seems like they're really being cheapskates. Yeah. It just says six figures. So like six figures could be $900,000 though. So that doesn't really tell us much. And I think it also really varies and definitely depends on the couple because like, I think there's a lot more value on like a Sean Lowe wedding. He was the bachelor versus like Carly and Evan, you know, or no, even worse, Crystal and the goose. Remember that was a televised wedding (laughs) that was on an episode of paradise. So ABC foots the bills for these weddings. They get Mm you uh, wedding planners. They help every step of the way, which is great. Such a huge help. However, I've noticed that several, I'm not going to say every single one because I haven't checked every single one, but Several of the weddings happen in December and January, and that is the cheapest time to get married of the whole year. So I always thought that was interesting. So Trista got married in December. Jade and Tanner got married in January. Ashley JP got married in December. Interesting. ABC probably has a lot of good like negotiating leverage for some of these venues and stuff too, because they're like, all right, well, our venue is basically empty for January. You want to throw your wedding here? Like, sure, we'll give you a discount. Plus it's free advertising for the venue even too. Sean and Catherine, January 26, 2014. Like there's something to this theory that I have. One, it's not a popular time to get married, but two, it's not a popular time. So therefore they want to fill it up. They run deals and they want you to take the slot because they want to sell those weddings. Yeah. I think it's funny. Like ABC, you can't foot the bill for a summer wedding. Come on. Well, you got the money. They they were trying to cut costs any way they can. That's why they don't pay the contestants. They're being cheap. So obviously if you're getting married, you get to keep the Neil Lane engagement ring that you got during your final rose ceremony. If you break up within two years, you have to give the ring back. But if you last two years, even if you don't get married and then break up after, then you still get to keep the ring. So that in itself, people were estimating that the ring itself is worth like, obviously it's different for every single ring, but these rings, given the size of them, they're like between 80,000 and a hundred thousand dollar rings. So that in itself is like an extra little paycheck if you can last two years. Didn't Caitlin Bristow last yeah. two years at least? She lasted almost three. So she got to keep the ring, but I could see her still giving it back because she probably doesn't want anything to do with it. 
Yeah, but still take the money, like sell it. Oh, yeah. But people like, so Lauren Bushnell, Becca Kufrin, they all had to return their rings. Tasha mm-hmm. probably is returning her ring right now. Yeah. Um, I read that no one pays for the engagement ring at all. Like Neil Lane doesn't sell it to ABC. He just uses it as free publicity because now his name is like a staple when you think about engagements. Yeah, that makes sense. So no one's really losing here. So he doesn't care. Like that's why the whole thing is so easy. You get to keep the ring and give it back in a few months when you're done with it. Cause like, it doesn't matter to Neil. Right. To Neil, that's like literally his marketing costs for the year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he could either pay for a commercial or he could just like throw a ring on the bachelor. And it's like basically the same. If not, that one's probably more valuable. And if you notice, I'm sure everyone's noticed this, but during every single proposal scene, like the guy gets down on one knee, he opens the mm-hmm. box. It shows the box. Yes, you can see Neil Lane. on Neil yeah. Lane. Yeah, yeah. You see his name perfectly in the box. The light is like sparkling on the diamond. It, it has its little moment. Oh yeah. It makes it worth it for Neil. And he's just sitting there watching on his TV, beaming that his ring yeah. is getting this publicity. Absolutely. So wrapping up with other ways stars can make money on the show is one of our favorite. Well, I don't even want to say favorite. No, but it's like kind of our favorite. We talk about it so much. I know. Okay. So wrapping up another way stars from the show can make money and have been making money is through that app cameo. So Jackie and I have talked about cameo a lot on the show, but if you guys don't know, basically it's an app where you can purchase a shout out from a, a random celebrity and There are a ton of Bachelor stars on the app. So you can literally go on the app and just like search around and see who's on the app, how much they're charging, what they're willing to do on camera for money. Let's get into it. So the people who are making the most money or who knows if they're making the most, they're asking for the most amount of money is Matt Spragans. Who's Matt Spragans? Is this like an OG that I should know about, but I know he's not. Because Matt Spragans, it says in parentheses, Stephanie wrote WTF question mark, and then he's charging $680 for a cameo. That's more than okay. Chris Harrison himself. So he was on Hannah's season. He was eliminated in week two and nobody knows who he is yet. He's charging $680 to basically say like, happy birthday, Jessica on this fucking app. So if you go to their like profile on cameo, you can see recent videos that they've made. I need to see if this guy has actually made any. Yeah, I need to see this too. And like, do you think that he's just charging 680 because he doesn't want to do it? But at the same time, if you don't want to do it, then just don't be on Cameo. Just don't be, no one's like holding a gun to your head and that's Spragans. Oh my God, his profile picture is a rose in his mouth. Like no one knows who you are. Yeah, I wonder if people are paying for this. I think, I don't know. Why would he charge that much then? Like charge less and then he'd, be making more money in the long run. That's what I don't get. He doesn't have like example videos because I don't think anyone's bought any from him. I want Matthew Spragans on the pod to explain this alone and then his interview will be over. Let's make it happen. So after Matt Spragans, Chris Harrison is charging the most with 350. Then we have Trista and Colton both at 250, which isn't that shocking actually to me. Then there's like a range of 150 to 170 and it's kind of like random people. Like not Mm -hmm. random, like irrelevant, but random, like together as a whole, they don't really make a lot of sense. So it's Mike Johnson, Robbie Hayes, Eric Bigger, and Peter Weber. And what I just thought is like, Peter Weber, like you were the bachelor. Yeah. He's the one person that I'm, eh, maybe this person should not be in this category, but the rest of them are like, you know, they've made a name for themselves in the show. Like someone one-off says their name, you 
if you watch the show, you know who they are. So like that to me makes sense to put like a Mike Johnson, Robbie, Eric Bigger all in the same category. But Peter, yeah, you were a lead. Like he should be up there with the Tristas and the Coltons. But I guess people just don't want cameos from Peter. Oh, wait, hold up. Sorry, Peter's increased since I wrote these notes. Peter's 200. I think it's kind of funny that like Eric Bigger and Robbie Hayes are asking for 150 and then Nick is 129. Like I feel like out of all these people, Nick is like, as much as we love to hate on him, he's like a legitimate name. Yeah, he could probably be if he was 680, I would be like, OK, calm the fuck down, Nick. But it wouldn't be that crazy. But I feel like Nick is smart enough to know that if he was 680, not as many people would be buying from him. Like, I feel like Nick Vile did the math and made an Excel spreadsheet and figured out like the optimal price for supply and demand for his cameos. Like he would do something like that. He's a good business person, like we said. If you scroll down a little, you'll see Santa Van Higgins, that if you listen to our last podcast or two episodes ago, uh, you'll know what we mean by Santa Van Higgins, Santa, Santa, Ben Higgins is charging a hundred dollars for Santa grams. Basically he'll wish you um, a Merry Christmas, but by this, by the time this, this episode airs, Christmas will be over. So I don't think he'll be doing Santa grams anymore. True. It's so fucking funny. Santa Ben Higgins is a hundred dollars. And then regular Ben Higgins is also a hundred dollars. He's listed separately. That's so funny whatever we already talked about I was like gonna get into it again I'm like I can't do this again we can't talk about Santa Ben Higgins anymore if you want to know what we had to say go listen to our episode from two episodes ago Luke Parker's charging a hundred dollars and I want to know what sociopath is spending that kind of money to get a video from him Chad is here he's he charges 78 so okay I have um like notable people that I wanted to call out Ashley and Jared as a couple charge 75 dollars and that just seems so low to me considering there are people charging like several hundred dollars on this app. Yeah. They could easily ask for 250 considering there's two of them and they're True. big enough to probably charge that. So 75 seems, it seems like a steal to me. So if you guys want to go get an, a cameo from them, now's the time to do it. Aaron and James, like the bromance guys from paradise, they do cameos as a couple. So they do it together as a couple for 110, but you could also get Aaron by himself for 70 or James by himself for 50. So it seems like James is is aware that he's the lesser of the two in the couple. Yeah. It's crazy to me that they're doing things as a couple, but I guess like lean into it for as long as you can. You can obviously like, it's clear that you choose your own price, right? Like Mm -hmm. obviously no one, no one suggested to Matt Spragans that he should be 680. So it's funny that like Aaron chose $70 for himself. And then James chose $50 for himself. Like, I wonder if these people all have big egos, how do they settle on? Like, I think they're just realistic. Like Aaron was, I think he like did more things on paradise. He was more well-known from the season that he was, what season was he even on? Tasha's? Clayshas, he was on Katie's, but he did something that he was involved in. Oh yeah. The drama with Thomas, he was like involved in more stuff on Katie season. So I think it's just like, I don't know if it's an ego thing. It's more of just a realizing there's a cap of how much I can make on this. And if I make it too high, I won't make any money. So it's like, you have to find that perfect medium. I don't know. Nothing about this seems realistic to me though. Everything about this seems like it's ego driven. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think these people actually are getting dozens of cameo requests a day. And you can go to their page to kind of get a feel for it too. Like if you go to their page and they have a lot of sample videos, then that shows that people have asked for videos recently. Yeah. I I mean, I've said this 
many times already. Like, I don't get the appeal so much of Cameo. Is this like a kind of Bachelor thing or is like, like our real celebrities on Cameo? I haven't even looked that far because there's so <laughs> many bad, there's so yeah, many Yeah, it's like a weird like D-list celebrity activity, I feel like. I just went on to page two and I'm seeing... Mm-hmm. Do Better Dread Wyatt is charging $65 for a cameo. So okay. get it while taught, guys. Do you think he sings in them? I'm sure he does. I don't even want to click on his profile to find out. I'm not going to. Okay, yeah. But like, you know what's interesting? A lot of the newer people, like Andrew S., mm-hmm. Connor B., Chasen, they don't charge very much. Like Andrew charges 47, Connor B. charges 45, Chasen charges 40, 45. And like, Reminding you guys listening, like this is literally for a 20 second video that says like, Hey, Susie, happy birthday. It's me, Andrew from the bachelor. Like these are like, you can make this money very quickly, but it's interesting that if you're new, I kind of feel like it would be the other way around. Like here we have Eric bigger who was on Rachel Lindsay season from forever ago, charging 150, but then Andrew is charging 47 and he's so much more relevant. Yeah, I would love to know then, like, what is the ideal demographic for Cameo? Because like, I don't get it. I'm thinking then maybe older people buy Cameos and think it's like cooler than younger people. I don't know. Because I only have like a few friends who have done it, but always like, they're like, no, it's ironically, like I'm ironically getting this. But I'm wondering if maybe much older people are the ones who are buying these more often in which case then like that makes sense like who are you considering old though like my mom wouldn't know how to navigate cameo like who's old I don't know I don't want to say a number because people will get I don't know what's what is old I was thinking like yeah your mom how old's your mom yeah my mom would not buy a 30 second video yeah I'm trying to think my mom's 60 she wouldn't buy I'm thinking like like older millennial late 30s early 40s is buying cameos Maybe. I mean, that's technically me. <laughs> and you bought a Bitch. cameo. <laughs> and I did. No, I mean, I could actually, I think this is targeted towards people in their 20s and 30s. Like, yeah, I get it's weird to buy a shout out from someone, but I also think if someone is like a diehard, maybe The Bachelor isn't a, a great example, but like, what if like, I don't know, Jennifer, Ana- I, she's definitely not on this app, but what if Jennifer Aniston yeah. was on this app and she charges $200 and like, you wanted to get your friend like who's obsessed with her a happy birthday thing. Like I could see that, like really making someone's day to get like yeah. a shout out from like their idol. I think the bachelor is like, are people really idolizing these people? I don't know. Right. For them. I think it's an easy way to make a quick buck. Like fucking Jorge, the bartender is on here for $27. Oh, we love Jorge. I miss him on the show, even though Wells is great. We're going to have to cave and get a cameo at one point. We just have to decide who it is. I want one from Barb. Oh, should I get you a Barb one? You should get me one for my birthday. Who do you want? Barb? I I gotta, let me mull it over a little bit. Peter has me blocked. So I I don't think I should get Barb. True. But wouldn't that be the most like controversial? You got his mom to give you- I paid his mom. But like, if she ever were to like put two and two together and, and tell Peter and Peter's like, oh- Right. That's what I'm saying. It would be the ultimate family feud. Like Barb's here on our podcast supporting and he's like, mom, how could you betray me like this? And then, yeah. Okay. Well, going back to Barb, (laughs) speaking of Barb, like, so other honorable mentions from the cameo list here is the Peter's brother, 
Peter's brother is insane to me. $25. Like who even is Peter's brother? I don't even know what he looks like. So Peter's brother, if you go to his profile, like he's made cameos. I need to meet the people who have bought Peter's brother's cameos. If any of you guys are listening, if you've done it, or if you know someone that has purchased a Peter brother cameo, a Peter call brother in. cameo, <laughs> because I need to psychoanalyze you. Barb, she charges 59. I actually can get on board with that. I know. I'm like, that's the one cameo that I would want someone to buy for me, Barb. Ben's wife <laughs> charges $15. And I just need to know like who the hell is asking Ben's wife. Like aside from being a girl who's in photos with Ben on Instagram, like who are you? You're not a public figure. I can only hope that Ben is making so much money from Santa Grams that he convinced his wife to make a profile because if she just made a profile on her own and thinks that people want to purchase shout outs from a random girl on Instagram, that's all she is. Like, she's not even like, they didn't have a televised wedding. People don't know her. Like, who is she? She's just a girl in photos with Ben. Right. I don't know. The bottom of the barrel, according to Cameo, not according to my heart, who's charging the least. The lowest is Matt Dion, it says potential contestant on Bachelorette. He's charging $7. Now, potential contestant? Who is this guy? Almost, oh my God, oh my God. His his bio says, almost a reality TV star, but alas, I was kicked off the Bachelorette. So Matt Dion was supposed to be on Hannah Brown's season. Apparently he was listed, or he was introduced as one of the 33 guys. And then some girl called him out for like, shady dms was he on the first episode or no because wasn't that a whole thing remember on hannah's season where like demi was there and she was like yeah that wasn't him that was a guy named scott oh okay and a girlfriend yeah so it doesn't seem no because and this all adds up because this guy is literally saying potential contestant almost (laughs) a reality tv star but i was kicked off so people have some fucking balls like we should have cameos at this i mean honestly honestly we probably could no i actually don't even want to say that because like I would never think that highly of myself that people would pay me to wish them a happy birthday. This guy wasn't even on like does cameo. We may be going too hard into cameo, but does cameo reach out to potential people because they want people to have a profile. It makes their site look better. Right. But like, where did Matt Dion get off? Where does Matt Dion and Matt Spragans need to get together and reevaluate where they are in life. Yeah. I just feel like they're just like fucking around. They're just like, oh, well, might as well sign up for Cameo. Maybe I can make a free lunch every now and then. But where do they get off thinking that I want to pay $7? I don't know. I bet you someone did pay $7 at least one time. He got a free Chipotle bowl out of it, I think. It was definitely Matt Dion's mom who bought a Cameo because there's no way, there's no way. But anyway- Okay. One of my resolutions for 2022, besides obviously having no wet blanket energy is I want to start taking better care of my skin. My birthday is January 7th and I'm actually turning 36, regardless of whether that's old or not. I just, I feel like I need to start taking better care of my skin. And I actually read an article on instyle.com and it was calling out this vitamin E oil that apparently makes your skin like shine like the top of the Chrysler building. And Drew Barrymore is a huge fan. So I started looking into it. It's called health priority vitamin E oil. And I actually ordered it and started trying it. It is amazing. So it prevents aging, reduces wrinkles and fine lines, gets rid of dark spots and makes your skin more vibrant and fresh looking. And 
clearly I'm going to need that going into 2022. I am such a sucker as well for any sort of skincare product. Douse myself in sunscreen every single morning, douse myself in retinol every single night. And so I'm definitely adding this to the rotation. I also have something I'm really insecure about is I was on a medication once that made me break out all over my chin. So I do have some discoloration and some scarring on my chin that I'm really insecure about. So this helps with discoloration and fades dark spots and scarring. So I was also really excited to try that. Yeah. And my skin is so sensitive. So when I saw it was hundred percent natural, all organic mm-hmm. ingredients, that was really important to me because the last thing I need to do is put something on my skin, hoping to make it look more fresh and totally irritate the crap out of my skin. And that's not happening here with health priority, vitamin E oil, Drew Barrymore loves it. So it has to be good. I love it. And Jackie loves it. So (laughs) there's your reason to try it out yourself. If you want to get your hands on this anti-aging oil, you can go to amazon.com and you can use code 20 she's batch for 20% off. That's two zero S H E S B A C H for 20% off. So we're going to move over to social media and how bachelor stars make money on Instagram. And we have Susanna Summers here, and she is the creator of bachelor data on Instagram. And if you're not following, you need to be because she breaks down just about every last detail you need to know about the bachelor. Thank you for coming on Susanna. Thanks for having me. I feel like I could talk about this for hours. Please do put it all into one hour, but yes, we would love to hear everything (laughs) you have to say. Basically, let's just start off at the beginning. What information can you provide regarding how much money a bachelor star could potentially be making based on their following? Yeah, so I think it it is a really complex question. And like, I will give you some numbers to like grasp onto, Mm -hmm. but it, it depends on where they're making their money. So there are a ton of different revenue streams that a content creator can go down. Uh, The one that is the most obvious, and in my opinion, sometimes the most annoying for us as followers are advertisements. And the big reason why we're seeing this boom in this industry is that you choose who you follow on Instagram. So if you choose to follow them, there's a level of trust that's built there with the content creator over time if you continue to follow them that the company is betting on if they can craft a good advertisement with that influencer that it's going to convert to sales. And that one, basically the revenue that you'll see from contestants when they get off this show is if they're over a million followers, or let's say if they're over, you know, in this eight to 800,000 to 1 million range, they can make anywhere from like $3,000 for a post or some type of advertisement all the way up to easily like $40,000. And it's just crazy to think that in one advertisement partnership, they can make a lot of people's yearly salaries. Yeah, totally. Do you think that they are translating back that amount of money in sales to the company or more? No way. There's no way. That's why I'm like, that's, yeah. That's where it comes in. So there's a big range there and it depends on what type of ad partnership you're doing. There's the ad, there's an ad partnership where you can either do a post to your feed or to your stories or now to reels and that type of partnership. It can be, you know, just one story or, um, where you just talk about the brand and you link to it in some way. 
Um, but you can charge different amounts there. So if I'm just going to do one story, that's not a lot, but if I actually go and put it in my feed as a post, like a, that, that's a bigger deal. So you can charge more for it, but what's really happening there is brand awareness. You'll see brands that will start to come up on your feed. And I remember a long time ago, this like, um, was the belly tea, the, the flat tummy mm-hmm. tea, yes. you know, yeah, it, yeah everybody was talking about it that at some point everybody was trying it because everyone was talking about it. So it builds that brand awareness. Um, and if they continue to partner with that influencer, it builds up the trust in that company over time. But then there's also other types of partnerships that they can do. So they can do where the influencer gets a code and that code can be used not just to track, you know, how many people are buying the product through that influencer, but there's also an affiliate program. So the influencer might get paid less upfront, but then they get a portion of each sale that uses that code. I hate that so- though. <laughs> I've been offered that so many times and I'm like, dude, like you're literally going to give me $4 for every time someone clicks on a link or buy something. It's such crap. I can't imagine like Andy Dorfman wanting to do that unless they're giving her like a big chunk every single time someone buys oh, something. But if you have a million followers and under in about 1% of people use it, do the math. It's, it's stupid I can't. easy money <laughs> for like three stories where you promote a, a, yeah. a code at the end. Like it's ridiculously easy. Right. And then the, the last one, the last way you can partner with these companies is the most lucrative. And that's where you sell the rights to your media that you create. So a story or a video, or sorry, a video or a picture. And then the company gets to use that however they want. Right. And you charge more for that because it's unlimited use of your image. Mm -hmm. So if we can get to specific people, because I'm fascinated by Ali Fedotowski, I follow her and she documents like every last breath of her life. And every single day she has multiple brands that she's calling out to the point that I'm like, I can't even imagine how she's keeping track. Like, I don't think she has a team. I don't know, but I don't think she has one. And you just, with your um, range, you said, even if she's on the lower end, I counted um, how many ads she put up in November and it was 17, 17. So more than half the month. She and is posting ads. Those are only that's, the ones that she's disclosing. I, well, and she's very good with it though. Like it's very obvious when she does ads, and, but this isn't um, reels or stories. This is just her feed, 17 ads. So if they lowballed her and she only got $3,000, that's $51,000 in one month. Like, is that like what we're actually talking about here? You know, it, it just depends if it's an affiliate or, or what type of partnership it is. It also, it depends on what her engagement rates are. So that's a leveraging point that they can then negotiate better rates for her. Um, I'm also very hesitant whenever people say that they don't have a team that works for them. Um, you know, a lot of people have a virtual assistant because mm-hmm. I can tell you as somebody who has done a very, like I can count on one hand, the number of brand partnerships I've done, you have to review the contract, negotiate the contract. And then the worst part is, or er, then after that, you have to actually provide, you know, build out the content, send it to them to review, and then Approvals. they approve it. Yeah. And then when you post it, and then my favorite part, chasing down, getting paid. And let me tell you, you would be surprised 
how annoying that is. Like it is pretty bad with some people. So like, it's one of those things that like for one person who has two kids posting on social media all day, moving houses, like she has somebody helping her with contracts, with all of that. Because as somebody myself, like I don't have kids. I could not do that many partnerships in a month plus creating no. that much content by myself. No. And like I said, I actually, I have no clue. I think because I see her stories all day, I feel like I know her and I'm like, oh, she would tell us if she had an assistant or something, but obviously we don't know, but I want to go back real quick to engagement rate again with Ali Fedotowski. So she um, basically pays her followers to engage with her content. Every month she has a giveaway where she, and this isn't like, I'm not even knocking her. It's kind of a good idea, I guess. But every month she has a giveaway where she gives away like a couple hundred dollars broken into. Because she just really wants to give back because she just loves her community so much. Yeah, yeah. It has Um. nothing to do with her engagement rate. Um, And she literally But you have to make sure you go like and comment on all of her posts this month. Yeah. (laughs) If you um, have liked all my photos for the week, can you slide this little bar over? I've checked legit like 30 people that I chose at random and none of them are liking all for the week. And I really want to make sure I give it to someone who likes all for the week. I get she has to keep engagement up in in order to keep these brands wanting to work with her. But when does it become like the give and take? Like, we'll like it if we like it. We don't need to be like bribed into liking your content. Yeah. And can brands see through that if it's like Mm. fake engagement, you know? I think what's really interesting is that last year we saw a big dip in the giveaways. There was, there was a time for months that the people who were doing like 10 giveaways a month, you guys remember when Sean Lowe and Catherine, they were featured in like Buzzfeed news because they were part of some 100 person giveaway. And it was like flagged by Instagram became this big contra. Like it got very quiet for a while. So it seems like it's a lot stricter than, you know, I think the, the narrative now is like, everyone's going on the show to get those followers, to get that ad money, to live that influencer life. How many people then would you say can actually sustainably do that? And how much of it I feel like is smoke and mirrors and people are secretly also working full-time jobs while being like bachelor influencers. You know, I think it's, well, I mean, it's interesting, right? So I just recently went on um, Peter Weber's podcast and Mm -hmm. You know, we see him being an influencer. He just wrote a book, but he is very much documenting like he's still working his day job and, you know, he has over a million followers. He hit 2 million at one point. So I think, you know, having both lives is definitely realistic for some of these people. Um, But, you know, I can speak to myself. I have a hundred thousand followers and I can, I can say you can quit your job at a hundred thousand followers easily. And okay. Really? They're. Yeah, I think it's definitely realistic, but it depends on how smart you are when you come off this show to pivot your brand image. Yeah. You know, there mm-hmm. how many people have realistically come off this show and be able to continuously get paid and be an influencer just for being that person from the show. Right. Very few. I feel like it's maybe 5 every year that I feel like really are like making it. And if you know, if you look at Ali Fedotowski, she tried to go back to the Bachelor franchise and she she went back to her previous, the lifestyle mommy influencer industry. If you look at Kaylin and Dean, they pivoted their brand to travel influencers. Mm-hmm. If you look at Jillian Harris is like the best, like tr- just the model person of somebody who went on this show and totally pivoted their brand. And the majority of their audience now is there because of their new brand and not because they were on The Bachelor. So can we talk actual Mm -hmm. money? Can you name the top Bachelor 
earners on Instagram? I think honestly, if we're, if we're looking at people that are above, you know, seven, 800,000 followers, um, they're making insane amounts of money every year. I mean, these people are they're millionaires insane, though. Yeah. We need to they're, know what they're all is. millionaires. Like they, they are easily millionaires, all of them. One millionaire or like 10 millionaire. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, are they it, making $1 million or like 10 or somewhere in between? Oh gosh. I, it just, again, it depends on each person. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think some of the people who, like, if you look at, you know, Caitlin Bristow is one of the best examples. I don't know. I, I want to put it out there. I don't know her numbers, but if you look at her diversifying her revenue streams, she's also yeah. a really great example. She's still very connected to the Bachelor franchise, but her podcast is one of the top rated. It's also known for non-Bachelor content. So she makes a ton of money through Avid through advertisements through there. But again, I don't know with her podcast network, how that all works. Right. Um, she has her wine line. She has her scrunchie line. And then she also does advertisements on Instagram. And now she's also a host on the franchise. So that's a lot of revenue streams that hopefully, you know, she's investing it well, which I'm a big fan of Jason's podcast. It sounds like they have their head in the right game. If they're investing right and they're not just blowing through their money, they could easily become, you know, seven figure millionaires. Wow. Crazy. So can you, t- I think your popularity also matters, like the, um, the speed in which you're growing. I know um, I had spoken with you and you had said Maddie Pruitt and Tyler Cameron were the two stars that grew the quickest. So would you say that speed in which you're growing also adds to how much money you can kind of finagle out of companies along with your total following? I don't think so. I think it's a matter of getting to a number and maintaining that audience. Okay. Um, It's not bad to lose followers after this show. I think that that's important because as you niche your brand down, you want to get rid of the people who aren't interested in it because you want your engagement to be with people who are interested in your brand. It's like for me, I remember, you know, when I had a big skyrocket after I gained followers after Brennan and Piper, that whole situation, I gained like mm. 14,000 followers in a day. It was heartbreaking like a week or two later where I was like, oh my God, I'm losing like five, 600 followers after like a few days. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like that's okay. My content isn't for everybody. I don't want everybody to uh, stick around. You're making me feel better because <laughs> sometimes I get like that too, but I've actually heard like Ashley, I, Dean, a lot of them, they call it something, but basically when you're someone like Ashley, I, if you don't post, you can kind of like keep your following. Cause like, you're not on anyone's radar. And then once you post, you're getting on all these people's feeds who may remember like, Oh, why am I following her? And then they unfollow. So they've said that like, sometimes unless they have to, they don't post as frequently because they don't want to like remind people that they're following them. That just so happened with Zach. He just posted for the first time since the split with Tasha, and, and what he happened? lost a ton of followers. Oh, I'm sure. Like no, he his whole claim was being with Tasha. I feel like no, he never posts any other time. I feel like no one wants to follow him unless he's. With what Tasha. did he post? Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I can just look. I got too. an alert and I saw what it was at the time. But I think it's still like that's not a bad thing. He has his brand. And as long as he focuses on that brand, he will maintain the followers that want to stay there. Okay. So I, um, I had found some, I've just did a little research and I found a few interesting tidbits. Um, so when Ashley, I got off of Chris's season, she had 75,000 followers. She revealed that FabFitFun offered her a thousand dollars for four posts. Does that seem 
accurate for that range? At that time, yes. But At not 75, now. 75,000 followers, you could probably ask for more than that. Do you know how much as someone um, that has 75,000 followers? I'd like to know. Um, <laughs> I think, again, it, well, that was her brand, right? So the FabFitFun made sense for because she had a lot of women followers. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to try to do that for my audience, probably wouldn't work because um, that's not why my audience follows me. And they'd be like, huh, she's talking about, you know, hair things like for data. Um, I think nowadays you could probably get easily for 75,000 followers, easily 1500 to 1800 for a post for a post on your feed. Yes. Okay. What about stories? This is like direct. I'm like, wait, (laughs) you're like, I'm underselling myself. I've been, I mean, it's, it's negotiating back and forth what your brand is. it's, it's a back and forth. It's, you know, what they'll settle for. And then if it's going to be a one-time partnership, or if you're going to do a multi, like for FabFitFun, that's only four times a year. So you could do all four season boxes every year and commit to a one-year deal with them and then sign a non-compete. So you don't compete with any other subscription box boxes. There's, there's so much you can you know negotiate. What, <laughs> you know what I found interesting when I found this tidbit about Ashley? So Fab, I worked with FabFitFun once and they did not offer me a flat rate like that. They offered me, because I'm just like a measly little, like not bachelor star. Um, they offered me um, a percentage, like an affiliate thing. So I got a percentage of whoever bought a box. And then when I saw Ashley at the exact same following, they off, it's like they pick and choose. I'm noticing this with a lot of different brands. If they- see that you have some kind of celebrity status, they're going to treat you differently. This is where my data side's coming in, is if you have mm-hmm. the numbers to back up how good of a partnership you'd be, you can charge more. Well, that's where I think has been really interesting to see is because I think people think it's like, oh, you get a certain amount of followers and then all of a sudden you get a certain amount of money per post and like life is smooth. But I think what we're kind of realizing here is like, it actually is in some ways like real work. Like you're running a business and you're negotiating people and pitching and and doing all of that stuff, which was not clear to me and something I never even thought about maybe like two months ago. Yeah. And you also have to pitch to brands. Like yeah, exactly. if you are actually wanting to promote products that you love, you're going to be pitching to brands. You're not going to be waiting until they come to you. Can we talk about how um, fake followers come into play? People that buy followers. I mean, again, it, it comes back to the data. Like these companies, I've seen the companies that, you know, uh, L'Oreal, FabFitFun, like, I don't know if they use this specific product, but I, I have been pitched by a brand that wanted me to partner with them because they are a brand that pulls Instagram from data from Insta or they pull data from Instagram. Like they have an actual partnership with Instagram to get all of that historical data for literally everybody on Instagram. And these brands can go in and they can just pull like a, you know, a authenticity score, but it's not like the authenticity score of what we see on the the internet for the free types. Like these are brand, these are platforms that cost hundreds of thousands of followers for these big companies every year. Followers, dollars, <laughs> they cost a lot of money. So they have a lot of technology that can really go in to see, you know, are, are they just commenting an elephant because that's what they have to do for the giveaway this month? Or like, what's the engagement on the posts look like? But, you know, like Allie, for example, she's, she's a really great person to dissect just because she's been in this industry for a long time. And she's really great with storytelling, with selling products. Um, so I, I promise this is actually that like, it's a, it's a, 
I'm speaking well of her because she's figured out the right way to do this, to sell stuff. Um, but she'll do stuff like, Hey, you know, like she's struggling with shingles and she'll be like, if you've gotten shingles, go on my recent post. Like, it's easier for me to read your comments there. Um, for you yeah, to, she, she has some sneaky, uh, marketing strategies. Yeah. So she, she clearly has people <laughs> that she's talked to, or she has people that works with her that say like, you know, don't just tell people to go put a heart emoji in my comment section. It's like, go and actually talk to me there. And I will say as somebody who like, I do have a hundred thousand followers, I get a lot of DMS. It is way easier to like scroll through a comment section or those question boxes to actually read people. Cause in, in the DMS, it's like, you have to click it, open it, go back. Like it's a lot of extra clicks. Um, but it, it helps her engagement rate. So it, it will help with those companies spotting fake followers. But again, if these companies are watching their influencers, if, if their marketing teams are actually going in and watching these, these people, um, you know, they'll know who has a more engaged audience. And then the most important part, which is what you want as an influencer, when you go to promote a product, you want to promote it well. So your, so your followers will actually buy it. So, you know, if they don't, buy it, this company is not going to come back to you. So we don't advise buying fake followers because I think people are doing it for like the vanity purpose. They don't want, they don't want to look like they're not as popular as other people that are from the show. So they buy the followers just to have the number, but at the end of the day, it's just going to hurt them. Yeah. And they're not going to convert to paying customers. You know, like I can even speak from my perspective. Like I sell courses, teaching people Excel through the bachelor. Mm -hmm. If I were to go buy 10,000 followers, I'd be wasting money to not have people buy my course. So instead I want to create yeah. good content to get people to share it so I can build my brand awareness. Right. It's more, it's just an ego thing, truly. Yeah. Well, that's like when the whole thing was going on with Brendan and Piper, wasn't the rumor that Piper was like buying followers as yeah. she was oh, losing God. followers just to like keep the balance kind of normal, but people kind of- I have a whole on thing on that with like- when people don't see the data that they expect, they build these false narratives to make, to back it up, which like not to get political, doesn't matter what side of the fence that you're on. But we saw that in the election, when you don't like the outcome of an election, there's a lot of, you know, finger pointing on whether or not it's valid. It's the same thing with data. When people don't like the data Mm -hmm. they're seeing, they're going to say it's fake. And they're going to try to point to something to say they're buying followers or like drives me nuts when people do that. But, but did she buy followers? I, I, I mean, think I so. think she did, but you don't think she did? I really don't. She didn't have as many as Brendan to start with. Yeah, you but know? she and was I, losing a lot. I, whatever, it doesn't matter. She but. was losing, but gaining a lot at the same time. And it, it's like, there were a lot of people on following true. her, it, but there were also a lot of people like me that started to follow her so that they could see what she did next because mm-hmm, it was fair. Yeah such a trash show. Like it was, I just wanted to see everything that was going to happen next. (laughs) Yeah. What advice would you give for the people that are on Clayton season? I would say like hold back on the ads. It, it has become so predictable that when these people get off the show, they're going to get a Peloton competitor. They're going to get a tonal fitness Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the ads that they're going to get because it's what everybody's doing. It's like niche down, do what, you know, Crystal did. She got into fitness and she really made that brand. And then she launched her, her product. And then, you know, she partners with some different companies. It's like niche down and focus on building trust with your audience and really establishing like 
what are you here for? And like, how are you going to entertain people, help people? What are you going to do um, to really establish who your following is going to be once you're done with this show? And don't, don't rely on going on Bachelor in Paradise to then become successful. Like you need to niche down if you really want to make a business out of it. Right. Yeah, that's true. Because I feel like there are girls that will just, they'll do makeup, then they'll do weight loss, then they'll do skincare, then they'll do, but like, if you're kind of tapping into every different category, it may be better to just go into one or what you're more known for. Like Ashley, I could have probably doubled down into makeup, but she's kind of like, you know, all across the board too. Yeah. Well, it's just getting to the point where every single person coming off the show, like their feed is the same. It's like, it's the yeah. same look, it's the same outfits, it's the same sponsors. So I, I definitely have burnout with bachelor following. Like, I feel like I would watch a season and usually follow my favorites. And now at this point, I'm like, why do I, why, like, why do I even care? Yeah. I think also, um, I, we've also been fatigued with a lot of bachelor, a lot of bachelor. Yes. Yeah. But it's Bachelorette in particular, which yeah. having two back-to-back seasons where we're watching a ton of men, I think the balance was right before. It was like Bachelor, right. Bachelorette, I and it all comes together agree. in Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. Bachelor, Bachelorette, all comes together in Bachelor in Paradise. And then they even sprinkled in some like winter games where they bring some more people together and build some love stories. And I do think too, the show is like not actually telling, you know, it's so funny in you know, during the Black Lives Matter resurgence in the summer of 2020, the, you know, the producers talked about, you know, committing to telling diverse love stories. And then I feel like they just stopped telling love stories altogether. Like it wasn't even that they were telling diverse love stories. It's just like, it's all become drama. And then they'll just suddenly be like, and here's Clayton and then fall in love with him. And then he's gone. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like build us up, like, you know, build up the contestants that are going to get further. So we're actually invested in them. Like we did with, you know, with Maddie, like Maddie got the first one-on-one and then we saw her throughout the season or like, I feel like the best that we got was Abigail. And then there was no love story, you know? It was and, like, <laughs> yeah. And then that nothing ended up. Yeah. Well, they really dropped the ball with, with Clayton, but that's, that's a, a story for a different day. But um, cool. So could you, you want to plug like where everyone can find you and or you plug your courses or anything? Yeah. So I'm mainly active on Instagram right now at bachelor data. Um, I am going to be pivoting to TikTok starting next week and Yay. creating some exclusive content over there, um, and doing some more video form. Um, and then I also just launched a course. So I teach people Excel and Google sheets as separate courses, and it is a full blown course where you, you really learn a strong foundation in those concepts, but the data that we use is the bachelor. So it is really fun and really That's engaging. So fun. Oh, so the whole thing is bachelor themed? Every single, I think there's only one lesson that doesn't use a spreadsheet that's talking about the bachelor. Oh, that's so, so funny. Wait, I might it's, do that. I need to learn more about Excel, but that sounds fun. <laughs> so it's really great. Cause like it strips out, like you open up a YouTube video and you're like, wait, what's the data that they're talking about? What's return on investment? It's like, nope, we talk about data that relates to your day job. It's people, things, and numbers. And we do things with them. It just happens to be bachelor people. Ooh, cool. I want to take so a fun. look. <laughs> that sounds fun. That's awesome. Well, Thank you so much for coming on. This was so fun chatting with you and getting yeah. an inside look into this social media influencer life. So Thanks interesting. I learned so much. Yes. yes. This was we'll awesome. Be, yeah, we'll be in touch. Thank you for coming on.
And that wraps up our last episode of the year. Jackie, how do you feel? I feel so good not to get cheesy, but, um, this whole podcast has been like such, um, I don't know, a blessing, a fun thing that we've been able to do. And I've been so excited about the response from everyone. And I'm just so excited to do more in 2022. Cause the crazy thing is we started this at the end of October, basically November. So it hasn't even been that long. It was a great part of my year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, same here. I'm so excited for everything that's to come in 2022. We have a lot of good things in store for you guys. So please stick around, subscribe and share with your friends. And we can't wait to keep dishing it out in 2022. Yes. And make your resolutions. Ours is no wet blanket energy. Um, oh yeah. Support the movement. Yes. Um, and have a great new year's guys. Hopefully all your resolutions and dreams come true. Just want to give a quick shout out and thank you to our sponsors, Palm flowers. You can use code batch 10 for 10% off your order and health priority vitamin E oil. You can use code 20. She's batch for 20% off. We'll also have all of the links to all the products or services that we're mentioning in the description of our episode. So if you can't remember a code or you want to know where to find these things, you can check it out there. Bye bitches. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, one that Stephanie and I have even guested on called Love to See It. It's a smart and progressive, snarky, but affectionate dissection of reality dating shows and what they say about all of us. Culture writers Emma Gray and Claire Fallon recap shows like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and beyond. And also guys, they break down every episode in obsessive detail. And they unpack all the weird messages pop culture sends to us about love, sex, and dating. Listen to Love to See It wherever you get your podcasts.